And now a word from our sponsors. Summertime is here, and the best way to beat the heat is with these great deals at MythMark.com. Join the adventure with sisters Emma and Olivia as they journey through the land of imagination in search of Yoon, the magical unicorn, in David K. Montoya's The Missing Unicorn and the Land of the Zombie Fairies. Or travel with poet Christopher Bice as he shares his thoughts on love, death, inspiration, and madness in Escaping the Darkness, Running from My Dreams. If fantasy romance is more your speed, join Celeste and Merrick as they figure out how to defeat the evil Ren doll while they figure out the plans of the elders in Stephanie J. Vardy's The Chosen. Like comic books? We got them too! Hot Off the Press is American Smash by Alan Russo and David K. Montoya for $4.99. Or enjoy our older releases like The Hunter's Exodus for only $2.99. Also, just in time for the summer are these other hot deals like Zoe M. Montoya's Uni Whale t-shirt, blue for boys and pink for girls, only $33.99. Or Lupus Bits the Podcast shirt for $27.99. For all our art lovers, we have something for you too with our prints and lithographs. Check out the Ed Bickford collection for $15 each or enjoy the art of Vincent May for $15. We have everything you'll need to stay inside and beat the summertime heat at MythMart.com. For more information, go to www.MythMart.com. Call us at 870-557-2612 or email sales at MythMart.com. Yeah, I remember Quinn and his family. It was uh, 2220. You know, life was a depressing dead in existence thanks to the aftermath of global warming. The only thing they had to look forward to was a mandatory 40-year lifespan, at which point they'd be unceremoniously put to death and turned into compost. But only if they lived that long. You know, then one day, Quinn made a fateful decision, and, you know, there were disastrous consequences. Consequences that forced Quinn and his wife and their son and their friend, to flee the confines of the city in search of a different life. They were searching for something better. Their hopes lie in the distant snow-capped mountains, but to get there they had to cross that dreaded no-man's land, all while being chased by the World Order Security Police who had orders to shoot to kill, their food and water was running short. Could they make it to reach their new lives? Read their inspiring story to find out in Jim Bates' Something Better, now available in paperback and ebook. For more information, go to www.mythmart.com. This is not a test. This is your annual announcement. This year we are offering Scarefair, which will be held on Saturday, October 30th at the San Bernardino County Fairgrounds in Victorville, California. Gates open at 9 a.m. and close at 9 p.m. General admission tickets are only $22 in advance and $25 at the door. VIP tickets are $45 in advance and $50 at the door while supplies last. In the morning, we will be offering trick-or-treating for the kids throughout our vendors. And for the adults, we have tons for you as well. Come meet horror icons like Joe Bob Briggs, Elaine Dietz from The Exorcist, Dr. Satan himself, Walter Phelan, and John Massari, who composed Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Don't forget that we have the psychotic carnival of thrills, where you become part of a horror story. Then, 
when the sun goes down. Enjoy our live music as Roadwork opens for American Zombie, a Rob Zombie spook show. That's not enough? Okay, how about a Scream Queen contest hosted by the ladies of the Taki Horror Podcast Show? Or our cosplay contest, one for the kitties and one for the adults. So gather your courage and come join the fun. For more information, go to www.pcehd.com. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Myth Bits. We are your hosts, Jenna and Jess Sparks, and this is episode 143. Welcome. Welcome to the world of Myth Bits. Before we jump into this week's tantalizing topics, uh, we've got some housekeeping for you, and it's a bit of a handful. So, first and foremost, pre-sale for the anniversary pocket boom edition of Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner starts Monday the 16th, only at Myth Mart. But it will be available for purchase everywhere Tuesday the 24th. So, congratulations, uh, exciting. I actually got to do the cover for that, for that, but the redo the cover, I should say. All right. Next up, we have the semifinals for the open contract challenge, and it closes this Friday, the 20th, August 20th. Put that in your heads, burn it there. Uh, so if you haven't done so, the final five contestants need to submit their synopsis to Walter at Walter Esselman at Open contractchallenge.com get on it we are rounding the corner is anybody else as astounded with the way 2021 is moving at breakneck speed because i am not thrilled with this momentum of 2021 uh what is it see the meme floating around the interwebs where it's like the realization that 2022 is is about four months away give or take so that's absolutely horrifying to me it feels like we just got past christmas right like just another year to me (sighs) it wasn't just another year for me it was a big year okay next up we are still taking submissions for natural instinct tales of witches and warlocks go to www.zombieworks.us to find more information or email submissions to zombieworkspublications at yahoo.com Yahoo! Please don't sue us, you Yahoo. Uh, <laughs> don't sue us, 1996. I've heard that since 1996. <laughs> and it still lives there in my brain. Uh, we are still interested in booking September and October's independent advertisements. Remember that we will create you a banner that goes onto multiple company-owned sites, as well as making you an audio advertisement for a super low rate. If you have a book published and you want to advertise with us, contact Steph at secretary, jzmdm, at gmail.com. 
So exciting news for local residents of the high desert area. If you are familiar with the uh, restaurant Megatoms, which is located off of Bear Valley Road, you should know. And I guess if you're not in awareness of this restaurant, now you should be. Dave has actually managed to seal a deal with Megatoms and it offers a 15% discount on your meal if you purchase a ticket to Scarefare. Uh, for more details, visit the Apple Valley location or call 760-240-0866. And speaking of Scarefare... Lucky us, Miss Lisa Wilcox, who was a guest at PCE last year, but she's actually going to be returning for Scarefare. So that's very exciting. And I know she was kind of a fan favorite and she was very sweet. So for more information, you can go to PCEHD.com. I was working on, what was I doing? I was talking to Dave. And ultimately, again, somehow, some way, I, 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 referenced PCE, but my brain, like, delegated (laughs) PCE and its place in history as 2019. And, like, that still makes sense to me, even though it was actually 2020. Yesterday, the 15th, was the deadline for issue number 99. And today is the last day for those who are submitting late. Send everything to Stephanie at stephaniebarty at theworldofmyth.com. Remember that. The 15th, we are doing that hard deadline. Otherwise, it just gets too chaotic. So, we, well, I, (laughs) we, we have, like, a lot of ideas when it comes to what we present on this show. And I know it can kind of get a little messy here and there, but, um, you know, we have the audio experiences that we're pushing and we have these ideas that we want to put forward like a little biographical, biographical episodes. (laughs) So many things we want to put forward and it's kind of my fault, you know, recently just because I have been swamped, swamped with Oh, everything. And I'm trying to get ready for Scarefare. And right now my brain is like trying to concoct a way to have a huge, not huge, but something to hold my banners. And I'm working on several pieces. So while I've been very preoccupied, you've been very preoccupied with a contest being held by a musician called Amiga the Devil. And in this contest, um, he... stipulates he wants he wants uh contributors to do a cover of one of his songs and um also create a piece of art it could be an animation a static image whatever just something visual as well as audio and uh, you know obviously that's like right up our alley and joe loves this musician i enjoy his music as well and the winner you tell me what the winner gets because i'm gonna get it wrong winner gets a signed taylor guitar Played by the king and signed by himself. <laughs> the king being Amigo the Devil, not Elvis, Elvis Presley. So needless to say, that kind of sparked some discussion amongst ourselves. Because I think it's really interesting that this musician wants to uh, put forward 
a contest pertaining to covers of his song. I think that's a really cool idea. And I, I know it's not like uncommon for musicians to enjoy uh, covers of their songs. You know, we see we see it all the time. But for there to be actually like a contest, I think that's a lot of fun. Again, that just kind of got us talking and... Um, it brings us to remakes, film remakes. Well, not just film remakes. I also wanted to talk about like covers and stuff. Like you know, cover just bands, in genuine. Huh? Yeah, like across the board because um, you know, I won't lie. Like I, I can, I can be very snooty with certain things, but then I think like most people, I love a good cover. If you are going to present like a cover or a remake, it gets a little confusing, right? Because you, you want to see. Or hear what somebody else is getting out of something, you know, different take. Because there's a million ways to hear or view something, right? You mm-hmm. know, everybody's going to interpret things differently. Um, music, in particular, can be can be uh, interpreted in so many different ways. <laughs> and same with film. So I I always think it's kind of fun. You know, but then again, I'm also kind of like of the mind that sometimes when like a remake comes out, sometimes it feels like it's like a a weird competition. Like, oh, you know, so and so did this film 20 years ago. I bet I could do it better, you know, <laughs> which I don't think that's what's going on. But in my little warped brain, sometimes that's how I'm like, I view it, especially if it's a film that like I enjoyed that I loved. But I also love remakes sometimes. <laughs> so I feel like it's actually like a, I guess, controversial thing. How would that tie in with cover? Well, because covers, it's it's kind of a same concept, you know. And, and because, you know, on the same side of the coin where, you know, sometimes it feels like it's a, like, a competition aspect. It's not. It's a way of paying homage to something which is what a lot of covers are, you know, they're paying homage to, you know, one of their favorite musicians or something that was really uh, beautifully created, or they think, you know, oh, this would sound really cool like this, you know, and and there's a lot of different ways you can manipulate things. Some of my favorite, because if you go on my Spotify, my Spotify is is secret because um, I don't need people calling me out left and right for my tastes um let me guess your number one cover artist is gonna be loafing actually i should pull loafing open my, i should actually pull open my spotify i'll give you i'll give you some actually right now while you work that spotify list there eliza grace sierra eagleson chase eagleson first to 11 oddly enough i'm not a huge fan of first to 11 I, I, I appreciate them and I respect End them. End podcast. <laughs> but it's, I don't know, they don't, they don't really like excite me when I'm like, oh, they have a cover, cool. Um, but I respect them. I do. I like different takes. So do you remember like 100 years ago, you would see the uh, commercials for like Pop Goes Punk or stuff like that. Like I ate that up. I actively eat that up still I love shifting genres I love like one of my favorite things and you hear all the time if you watch like shows like America's Got Talent you hear all the time where they take like um, a popular pop song and they turn it into a cinematic experience I'm a sucker for that too I love 
like epic covers when they just make them into these like cinematic masterpieces. It's so cool. But I also like my okay, so, let's see. Here's my here's my random lists. Indie covers, rock covers, <laughs> epic movie trailer covers. <laughs> And those are just, like, the ones that, like, I kind of go to because they are consistently, like, updated. And I just, I'm, like I said, I'm a sucker for, like, re-reimaginations, which, again, that kind of comes into play with film. Because it's a lot of fun, I think, to kind of just do, like, pull the old switcheroonie, I guess. I, one thing that when the film, like, Quarantine came out, And that was a remake of the Spanish film Wreck, which is one of my favorite movies. And Quarantine, aside from the end, it is pretty much a shot-for-shot remake. And I cannot with that. And the same kind of goes with musical arrangements. And now, don't get me wrong, I know that there are, like, times and places for that, especially, like, in in, uh, classical. There's also sometimes when you do covers, there's also laws against that, though, technically. Where you can't. Yeah, you have to, and when you do a cover, you have to keep the melody and the lyrics usually the same with minor changes here and there. Sometimes, like, yeah. they get away with it. Obviously, Lo Fang did that, and I think First to Eleven did a couple of them like that where they changed a couple of the lyrics, but the idea and the melody is the same. Yeah. But I think sometimes when you do covers, I think there's legalities behind the... Um, the melody and the lyrics. Then you, yeah. you can change the tempo and the arrangements and everything. I think that's what like it is. That. Like I, I, I understand that with music. Mm-hmm. Like I do. You know, like I said, especially with um, certain certain things. It's kind of like okay, let's for example, like from first to last, uh, when they did their cover of November Rain. What makes Maybe November Rain? 11. Huh. From first to eleven. Yeah, because you said from first to last. Oh, did I? Yeah. It was great. It was a good cover. Don't get me wrong. Very, very well produced, beautifully performed. But when you hear that song, November Rain by Guns N' Roses, I'd say like nine people out of ten are going to hear the introductory strings, right? Like you're going to hear that. And that's great. But that automatically kind of sets you up psychologically. Because you're going to anticipate hearing Axl Rose's voice. You're going to expect to hear, you know, the music to go one way. So you're already kind of screwing yourself on that pooch. Yeah. You know, because it's kind of like, um, all right, here's another example. So like uh, the Pavlovian idea where, you, you yeah. know, you're, you're training. That's, that's why it's like a little harder by what we're talking about because maybe they didn't have any choice but to use yeah. those strings. Well, because... and I think too, just on an auditory spectrum where it's like, do you want to? You know, like, because it, it could feel almost disrespectful to take such an iconic song right. and try to mani- manipulate it so much. It's not like Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones where there's covers every which way, you know, across uh, languages, across, you know, there's so many varying degrees that you kind of have to push to be unique um, with something like November Rain you're 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 damned if you do damned if you don't essentially and it's not even their fault it's nobody's fault it's just taking a song like that where you expect it to be performed in a very certain way Mm -hmm. you know right that's why i think that's why it's so impactful for like lo fang when he made his arrangement because he created an entirely different environment 
and sound behind it, but the, if you notice, the lyrics are pretty much the same, except for a couple of them are switched around. Which song? Uh, You're the one that I want. Mm-hmm. So he actually switches the perspective in the song instead of saying, um, or singing, rather, singing that and when he opens up and he sings, you better shape up because you do. need a man and then yeah, you remember how super she, slow how she and... no when well the lyrics when she had sung it oh yeah she in said Greece, because yeah. i need a man right so yeah. in, from, from her perspective so he switched the entirety of the perspective and that's yeah. what really changed the entirety of the song well, he took it from a duet and put it in first person perspective yeah, and, and, and did that and but if you notice in the arrangement when you listen for things in the arrangement so what he has he, he actually has the original melody going mm-hmm. behind on what sounds like a ukulele but can also be a high-end harp or string it's obviously a string instrument but in the left side pan so you have the melody going at the same time right and when you listen to it you're gonna have a splash on the left hand and then it's gonna hit on the right so when it hits on the right immediately you're gonna hear that boom 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 but you hear the splash instead, so it's a he he played the whole psychological field with that one, and that's why he's got millions upon millions of views. When we were introduced to it, mm-hmm. um, it was on the leftovers, <laughs> which the music of the leftovers is in and of itself is very very ambiance inducing, Max, like inducing. The, com- the composer Max Richter <laughs> has a thirty-minute song he just wrote. About the refugee crisis. 30 minutes. Interesting. Instrumental of one perspective. That guy is a beast. Yeah. Like, he is is something else. Yeah. I'm going to have to listen to that, and I suggest everybody else does. Oh, also, Um, uh, also, Spitfire Audio just did a uh, spread in their magazine. Spitfire Audio also has an online magazine, and they just did a spread with Max Richter. So, excellent read in case somebody's listening and they're like, you know what? I don't have enough Richter in my life. Let me give them get <laughs> a shot. It's time. It's time to increase that now. Um, I don't know if Spitfire actually had a magazine. Also, if you listen to the Leftovers soundtrack, Max Richter has a very unique style on the keys, and you'll hear the stepping motion on the keys in every single song on that track and you can hear his technique i just i think we should the next episode we should just let you like just nerd out out. just nerd out for an hour just tell him (laughs) this is the max richter episode (laughs) dedicated to yeah no but i mean i think that is a very concise example of kind of what I what I'm talking about and what we're we're talking about in general about the ability to transform a very you know a very popular song. You're taking, you know, the one that I want from Greece and manipulating it into something that is very dark, very brooding, and, and kind of scary. You know, kind of scary feeling, and I think that that really takes a lot of um, creativity to be able to do that. I love it. I love when artists are able to do that musically. The same can be kind of said with, with film, too. Yeah. One real quick second before I jump on to this little small list. I have of films, of remakes that I really enjoyed. I want to talk about that, about Sierra Eagleson and her brother Chase Eagleson, because those two, when they cover songs, it's mostly acoustic. You know, I've seen them pick up an electric guitar every now and again, but they're on YouTube, and these two are also, like, really amazing Actually, it's kind of inspired a bit on the finger style 
guitar is really good. Chase is also like the both of them are just like really good at uh, finger style for sure. If you are interested in even rock songs turned into like a folky acoustic style, those are your two. Mm-hmm. They also play banjo on there too. I love the you banjo. know, so they play the banjo. Those two are, are two to check out. Uh, it's kind of funny too because like um. It's again, I don't know if you guys are aware of this or if you've happened to forget every time you listen to uh, this podcast. Uh, but it's that time of year. It's the time of year where uh, Jenna and many other people start to very much come alive in their personalities, uh, even though every day is Halloween. But uh, <laughs> so my my nephew and I were starting to venture into because he's he's kind of exploring horror genres i've kind of given him like some some good starting places you know here's here's some interesting places you can start uh as you as you go on this adventure of deciding what you like and um last night we actually watched juan the grudge um the original that one's funny because that one also has two remakes of it we have the one from the earlier 2000s and then the one that just came out last year, which I haven't seen that one. And I haven't watched The American Grudge in probably since it came out, honestly. So that was kind of just a happy coincidence to to kind of talk along that. And horror, I think, is a is a is a really hard subject and genre to try to master in making remakes. Because, you know, especially if it's a film that has like a cult following. Like Juan, you know, it's got a it's got a major cult following. So of course things are good. It's gonna be very hard to top we, it. I thought we did see the remake of Juan. Not the new one. Because John new, Cho. Yeah, because the new one is a Sam Raimi. Is Sam Raimi? I think I actually did see it somewhere. I can't remember where I was at, but I saw a bit of it, and it's. Mainly, I may have shown you the trailer and been like, I really want to no, see this. It's like really focused on that kid, and it tells the backstory of that kid with the cat. You know, like, remember the kid that goes, meow, and he, oh, he, and I don't know. Remember, it really... Are you thinking of Pet Cemetery? No, it really... The remake? No, one? no. <laughs> I think the remake really centralizes on that kid's story. Mm-hmm. If I can remember right, I think I've seen that movie, dude. That sounds familiar. So, yeah, with horror, I think, because how many, because I think one, it's probably on your list, that was a major success, speaking of Sam Raimi, Evil Dead. Hands down. Evil Dead was a phenomenal remake. Phenomenal. Can we just can we just say anything that Jane Levy is in? You know, she just kind of yeah. throw that little dust, a little, little pixie awesome. dust on it, dude. Told you they're picking up uh, Zoe's playlist for a movie. Yeah, thank goodness. No I'm surprise glad. there. Remember Evil Dead, and when we went into the theater, she wasn't even the main character like to begin with. And but it, she stole the show, let's yeah, be real. She stole the show, obviously, <laughs> and, and, and the ending, like, could you imagine, like, being that actor? And it just got, like, a cannon and a blood on you, and you're like, okay, here it comes. And you're like, give it, give it, you know, and give it the green, <laughs> give it the green arrow, and you just, just sprayed with a fire hose of fake blood, and you, yes. a little chainsaw, and she's like, ah. That sounds like a great party to me. Um, no, it was a really good remake. And I feel like from, for the most part, I don't think I've really ever heard anybody ever say they were disappointed by it. You know, it's, it's, it, it did a very good job of maintaining the ambiance of the original. It took away the, the humor 
that we know that comes from like ash, you know? Um, and I think, cause you can't, you cannot, you cannot try to recreate Bruce Campbell's portrayals of any character. I don't care who it is. You just can't. That's, that's the, uh, iconic ...ness of Bruce Campbell. He takes a role, especially Ash, and it is his. So it's like they didn't try to do that. They didn't try to recreate Ash. They didn't try to give us a new Ash. They didn't mess around where it's like you just can't mess around in. Because, again, you can't take something like the Necrocomicon and, you know, uh, you, you just, it's, it, it's, again, I think kind of that Pavlovian, if you're a horror fan, if you grew up watching, you know, Evil Dead and all of its following films, you can't anticipate anything beyond Bruce Campbell, right? I- Until they did the remake, but they did, they did it in such a way that it didn't mess with stuff. I think they but will- it. I think one day they will find a way to be able to do that because like think about like the Disney and how they're remaking and re- or reimagining like all the Star Wars things right? and you got the Mandalorian and everything like that and everybody were saying nobody replaces Boba Fett and it's like not quite not quite <laughs> sir you know so I think that's I a good point I think one day they'll do something to where you'd be like oh you know and then <laughs> Bruce Campbell's like never it, don't you say it. Don't yeah, you dare say it. I don't know. Now you got me thinking. I think, this, I think so. Although, one thing I wanted to point out real quick about this list that I'm going to run through real quick. The Mummy remakes with Tom Cruise. I like them. I don't care. There was only one of them, first of all. I'm going to put that out there right now. <laughs> I like that movie. I like Tom Cruise. I like that Mummy chick. I was a bit disappointed they weren't going to push through with the the horror. What was it like a horror series? Yeah, they were redoing Universal Monsters. They're doing all the monsters. I'm like, oh, this is going to be pretty dope. This is going to be pretty dope. Especially Russell Crowe comes out. He's like, let's do this thing. And I'm like, I can honestly say I remember nothing about that remake. We watched it, but I don't remember it I'm like, at all. Yo, this is going to be cool. And then you're like, nope, they're not. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. kind of let down. I want to say they're they're actually moving forward with. Another one, but I can't remember. And now all my cred points has now flushed down the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, I mean, you know, again, talking about, you know, the universal monsters in general, you know, and it's kind of interesting because like, uh, you know, we have Rob Zombie who, you know, took over, well, not took over, but he recreated, refashioned Halloween. And obviously he did a a good job with that, but now he's tackling the monsters. And that's going to be interesting because monsters, oh my gosh, what's his name? Yeah, he's posting photos on Instagram about how he's doing, like, or he's, they're working on the prosthetics and stuff. Brian Fuller, who did, like, Hannibal and, and um, a couple other shows, he did, like, a Munsters miniseries, probably 10 plus years ago. Jerry O'Connell as Herman. See, I got it pulled up now. He also had Portia de Rossi playing Lily Munster. Eddie Izzard was in it um, as Grandpa. Cheyenne Jackson, who I love. So it's like it's got an interesting cast, but I it, it never I don't think it ever really did much. And if I remember correctly, like the aesthetics were nice. I do remember that the house was very very beautifully decorated, <laughs> but it didn't it it didn't I don't think it landed. And so it's going to be interesting to see how Rob Zombie tackles the monsters because then you can also take into account you know something like the Adams family. Where, you know, he had the original television series. It's going to be pure and, gold, I tell you that. And I, I grew up watching The Addams Family, 
TV show as well as the monsters. You know, the the Adams family, the the show, like as iconic as it is, it doesn't hold a candle to what we know uh and celebrate from the 90s with Angelica Houston in particular, you know, and even talking about the new Wednesday Adams show that's coming out on Netflix with Luis uh Guzman, who's gonna be playing Gomez and Catherine Zeta Jones playing uh, Morticia. And I'm like, there's a part of me that's like, okay, you know, this is going to be interesting. And this totally just turned into like r- randomness. Go tell me more about your list, please. Yeah. Let me go ahead and run through this list right quick. So maybe something will pique the ears of somebody listening here. I have, I jotted this list down just really quick Homeward Bound, The Fly, Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead was a great remake, too. Halloween. Evil Dead. Power Rangers. Power Rangers was actually... That one was a good remake, too. I enjoyed that movie, and I think people will beat us up for that opinion, but I enjoyed it. 310 to Yuma. A Star is Born. Yeah. House of Wax. The Mm. Longest Yard. Sorry, what? (laughs) No, no, ma'am. Look, in House of Wax... Dude comes over and he's at the piano. Where was he at a table? Was he at a table or is he piano? I don't know. I saw the remake. I think like... it was actually a table. He was like sitting at the table. He's chilling. He's chilling. And the next thing you know, somebody who was it comes over and it's like his face just starts pulling apart. That was crazy. Also, that scene, there's one scene where he is talking with the bad boy from the wrong side of the tracks <laughs> with the shaved head. And he says, where's my sister? I think it was his sister, right? Where's my sister at? And she's like putting her little finger up through the grate. And she's like, here I am. You know, she's got her mouth duct taped. She's putting her finger up. She's like, here I am, here I am. And he comes over with wire cutters and clip. Oh, buddy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's been a minute since I've seen that one. I remember seeing the original. And Paris I really was in it. I remember that. But I remember, I remember watching the original and it scared the poop out of me, honestly, when I was a kid. Moving on. <laughs> Ever so gracefully. Moving on gracefully. The Crazies. Planet of the Apes. The Hills Have Eyes. The Ring. The Wicker Man. <laughs> the Wicker Man. <laughs> <laughs> Love that movie. 13 Ghosts. The Mummy with Tom Cruise. The Mummy with Brendan Fraser. Vanilla Sky. I think I heard about Vanilla Sky actually being a remake. It was kind of like the same thing with Wreck where it was, I think it was a French film. No, I'm not 100% sure on that. That makes sense. I would believe that. I think Vanilla Sky was a French film that they remade into an English film. Um, But Vanilla Sky is tippy top of this whole entire list. So Also Tom Cruise film. Interesting. Anyways, (laughs) Red Dawn. That was what I liked. Red Dawn was good. I remember that one. And Nightmare on Elm Street. I haven't seen the remake. The remake? You haven't seen the the remake Mm -hmm. on Nightmare on Elm Street with... um, I know, yeah. Um, you know, old boy. Yeah. Who's always the he was he's he's he, he's typecasted as certain what do they call it character casting? Yeah. Something like that. But he does an excellent job as Freddy Krueger. It's also it's also a little more darker, you know, than Nightmare on Elm Street was the whole thing. Yeah, I know they because well because remember too like now we're getting into like the grittier reboots. Yeah. You know, with every single DC. So all I can remember, Marvel. all I can remember is like on the original Nightmare on Elm Street, where Will Smith made that 
that rap. Remember Will Smith made that rap about Nightmare on Elm Street? And he, yes, he's in there. He's it like, was um, DJ Jazzy Jazzy Jazz. With DJ, right? DJ Jazzy Jazz and yeah, Will Smith, yeah. right? <laughs> the white and me is showing. No, no, sorry. no that happened. To, uh, <laughs> this is a nightmare on my street. Remember? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, I don't know, like I said, like horror is, is an interesting thing, but it's also funny because, you know, I, I've two things. You know, going back to like the Brian Fuller thing, you know, and the reimagination aspect. Hannibal. Hannibal, I felt, I think everybody, you know, who's seen it agrees. It's a great reimagining of, you know, both a book series, which is primarily what it's based off of. But it's also, it, it is what it's based off of. But obviously you can't have Hannibal Lecter without thinking of Sir Anthony Hopkins, right? Like you just can't. Um, <laughs> you sound more like oh, what's his face, Marlon Brando? Hey, give me, give me a push on the swing. <laughs> I'm in my hammock. What's gonna make a push on my swing? I'm in the hammock. You come, need to come, stop. Come on now. <laughs> a massively amicable job with Hannibal. It also helped very much having Mass Mickelson in the role of Hannibal Lecter, who I think most people who ever see him in anything have found. Anything he's in is worth watching. Um, but on on that note, you know, stepping away from horror, of course, you can't avoid mentioning the countless, <laughs> countless takes on superheroes and even uh, supervillains and whatnot, you know. And, and I get a little angsty and flustered, you know, when people try to, you know, sit there and, and compare apples and oranges with various jokers etc etc because it's like it does it kind of gets to a point where it's like you you can't keep comparing because canonically there's so many different types of jokers and obviously what's portrayed in film is not going to be based off of one portrayal or one character that being said though I want, I want your live opinion because we are about to finish uh, season two of Daredevil that I'm making you watch. What do you think of it so far? Originally, I thought it was actually just going to be another um, superhero thing because, I mean, I'm not really known to partake in the superhero thing myself. Which is weird because, like, when I, I think about myself, I'm like, I'm not really into superhero stuff. <laughs> and then I look at, like, the stuff that I thoroughly enjoy and I'm like, oh, I guess I am. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's it's pretty good on the aspect. I like Daredevil and the actor who plays Daredevil, Charlie Cox. Yeah, and I like how they put Punisher in there because I like that one, the Punisher when we the watched Punisher the Punisher story. Yeah. yeah, the Punisher was. It, it should have just like sprinkled the, Ben the Barnes. The first season. If they would just sprinkle, <clears throat> sprinkled Ben Barnes in there. You know, we would have we've been all right. I wouldn't argue with a little sprinkle. Which is weird because like they canceled after what three seasons? Two. Two of seasons what? of Daredevil? Yeah, Daredevil is Goes three, is three seasons. seasons. But yeah. now there's discussions yeah, of, of him appearing elsewhere. Even though he's got like 16 awards or something like that. That's kind of weird. Yeah. Probably because it's kind of hard with that guy. Because as soon as they start like throwing ninjas out and going off on the storyline. I mean, I think what happens at Netflix is they get kind of like, I mean, how far can we go with this? You know, I don't think that's where they are wish. I'm not going to I'm not going to well, say their name. I think what it is is... We see people are enjoying something, so you know what? We're going to rip <laughs> it away from them. We're going to take it away from them. I don't know. They don't get to have this. The only the, Netflix is weird. I, it still cracks me up with Lucifer because Lucifer was saved by Netflix, right? Like two years after it was canceled, and we got it. And then 
they <laughs> they were like, all right, it's coming back for one season. And they wrote it. They wrote the final season. And then right before it was about to, right before they finished wrapping it, that's right, right before they, they wrapped filming what was supposed to be the final season, Netflix was like, you know what? Actually, you guys can have another season. <laughs> and they were just like, what? Because the writers had wrapped everything up and they had al- they were almost done filming. And I feel so bad for them. But like other shows that do phenomenally get canceled, you know, even like Iron Fist, the first season was okay. But then the second season, especially with Colleen Wing and, and everything that trans... If, you haven't seen Iron Fist yet, but everything that transpires and everything, and you're like, oh, 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 canceled. And you're like, are you kidding me? Luke Cage, Jessica Jessica Jones got one. They were able to actually close it out. They were able to put it, like, end it on an ending note, you know? And I believe Daredevil ended on, like, they were able to end. But, no, I'll go on all day and night about how how much more I appreciate. Because here's the thing. I have watched... <laughs> All of the DC shows. I love I love the DC cinematic universe. It's it's my thing. The last Marvel film that I have watched was like Ant Man when it came out. <laughs> I think I may have seen the Avengers. I don't know. I've lost track. I haven't watched a Marvel film in like eight years. But I will die for the Nar- Marvel Netflix shows. <laughs> I think they are the best. But now I'm gonna have to catch up because apparently uh daredevil's gonna appear in the hawkeye series so i need to get moving on that Hmm. so that was our our fun foray into which i feel like we only just like skirted the surface talking about horror and some superheroes there's so many more remakes and covers we could talk about i think we could make this like a whole this we could make a podcast on remakes and covers all right guys you can find us at the world of myth.com on facebook and twitter at the world of myth bits podcast and the world of myth magazine and on instagram at the world of myth bits thanks for listening until next time mm-hmm.